everybody and welcome. This is the Mazao Talks podcast, which is a platform for both knowledge sharing and peer-to-peer exchange between small and medium-scale farmers across Kenya. We feature contributions by farmers, budding farmers, agri-food experts, as we drive discussions on good agricultural practices, as well as business opportunities that are readily available for the youth. This podcast is made possible by the European Union Funded Market Access Upgrade Program, MACUP, which is implemented by United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, and is produced right here at Semabox. Yeah, so as we start, please remember to like, share, and subscribe on all our platforms. Our handle is at MACUP Kenya on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. For more information about any of the topics we discuss, please find us at markupkenya.org. My good name is Jason. I am Sheila. And no matter who you are, you, you can farm. So this week we continue our conversation about the mango value chain. Specifically, we are taking a deep dive into the entire process from the farm all the way to processing and finally export. Jason and I traveled to Makweni County and we got to speak to Mr. Anthony Kimeo, who is a mango farmer from Katiliku area. We spoke about how farmers are working hard to produce high quality mangoes and the journey towards re-entering the EU market. Take a listen. Oh, hi guys and welcome once again. My name is uh, Jason and uh, today we are, we are still in Makweni County in a town called Matiliku. And today I have a wonderful gentleman with me. It's Nimefrai Sana Kukutana na Kujwana Labda tuanze na introduction. Tell us your name. Um, tell us about yourself. Okay, thank you for that opportunity. My name is Anton Mutua Kimeu. I'm a farmer around Matiliku town. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for inviting us to your beautiful home. I see you're growing many crops, different crops, but mainly today we're talking about mangoes. What varieties of mangoes are you growing? Well, uh, mainly I'm doing uh, apple mango because of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, apple mango has a high demand in the world market, and that is what I'm doing. So I wanted to know, in your, as you farm the mangoes, how do you work? Do you work by yourself? Do you work with the family? Do you get to employ people in the area? How do you go about from planting to when you harvest your produce? Yeah, that's a, a good question. In the farm, you cannot work alone. Mm. I work with my family, and I also engage the youth around to help me with the labor because there's a lot of labor in the, during the time of planting that you need uh, people with the energy to do the horse, mm. to do the manual work, so that you, you, you make sure that you have planted the plant in the correct way. And during the time of harvesting, we need uh, very trained people known as graders mm. because they will grade according to the market requirement. For example, when we say now we are going to export mangoes, not all mangoes, as I've said, will go to export, but we need uh, somebody who will pick what the, the, that uh, particular market needs. Mm. And these are the graders. And we normally use our youth who are around. They have been trained by HCDA and other key stakeholders on how to do uh, market, uh, mango picking. And from there, uh, there are those who do the weeding. We engage the youth around. They also do weeding. We engage the women around. They also do weeding. Mm. 
Thank you. So the youth and the women are actively involved in this whole process. Well, this industry for mango employs a lot of labor, and that now creates a job, uh, give us a job creation mm. within the, the, the local area. Okay. Tell us about pest, pest control. Yes, there, there are challenges of pests uh, for farmers doing mangoes, especially during the flowering uh, stage, fruit formation, and also fruit development. Mm. And these, challenges, these pests need to be controlled with uh, pesticides. It is expensive to buy these pesticides. And also, uh, from the other end, it is also important to know who is using these pesticides. Uh, is the farmer aware of the hazards which may be caused by these pesticides? Mm. So it is expensive to use these pesticides, but we cannot do without them. Do you do the spraying or the pest control yourself, or do you have specialists who are doing that for you? Yes, myself, I'm a specialist. Okay. I do it myself. I've undergone several uh, uh, trainings on uh, use of pesticides. That is why I said who is using the pesticides at the farm level uh, because they are hazardous. They yeah. cause uh, cancers to our people if we use uh, the food that has uh, MRL, that is as uh, high levels of uh, residue uh, levels remaining in them. So I do it myself, but I've gone uh, through trainings. Okay. Yeah. In terms of technology, what kind of technology are you using in the farm during your entire process, Kulima to when you're done? Well, uh, during planting, that we, we need to do the zypit, that is a technology of, uh, of digging the, the holes during the farm establishment. And from there, now we start to water. For example, if it is very dry, we need to water, that is irrigation. Yeah. We use the water from the, the river. And also with the buckets. Uh, from there, we come to spraying. We use the knapsacks uh, and also the service providers who has been trained by means of agriculture mm. and the other key stakeholders on how to apply the pesticides and why that particular pesticide has been to um, has, has to be applied and in, during which stage that one needs to be applied. So we have this kind of technology which we use. Mm -hmm. uh, these guys come around, they scout uh, your farm they give the pesticides subscription, and then you go and buy as a farmer, or they buy and they spray, and then you pay the cost. Ah, okay. Yeah. So these extension services that we're talking about, um, do you get them from the county government or from the from a cooperative that you're part of? Yes, we have uh, cooperatives who uh, these uh, these service providers are hungered. For example, we we have the Nzawi Farm Company Limited, where I'm a director, mm -hmm. and we have trained about 15 of them who run about our farms. They, they come, they scout, and then they go back, they write the report, and then they come and spray when you buy the pesticides. They just do it for you, the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, they, they do everything. Okay. Yeah, because our farmers, most of them are aged, and they cannot do that business. So I learned something very interesting from you about the three different types of markets. Maybe you can just explain that to us and tell us how it works. Yeah, that's a good question. And we have the three levels of marketing of our mangoes. Mm -hmm. The first, uh, very, very uh, high-grade mangoes, grade one, 
goes for export. That's where I say they go to Dubai and then they are graded and then to Europe. Okay. The second grade goes to regional market. That is Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, mm-hmm. and also our Nairobi area, Mombasa. Okay. And the third grade, that is the undersize and with defects, goes to the processing plant. There is now where we take the, our, our last bit of mangoes, the undersize, which cannot be accepted in the regional market mm-hmm. or in the export market. They are supposed to go to the processing plant so that they are uh, squeezed and the, the, the pub we get from there, then it is sold to the, to the markets. When you when you harvest your mangoes, do you store them here at your home or you have a place? Is there a facility maybe the county government has been able to provide to mango farmers? Well, in some areas, the county government has done that. And also some other areas, there are stakeholders who have done that. Those are the park houses. Mm. But they are still far. They are not enough. Because, for example, the one which is near me here is around... Uh, where it's around Kawala, and Kawala is about four kilometers from here. And dealing with our fresh produce, it needs to have near 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 the farms. Where the, so the county government need, need, needs to do more. Mm-hmm. There are some, but they, they are not enough. You need to, to, to bring more nearer to the farmer so that the mangoes are kept fresh in the nearest park house. So Anthony, I wanted us to talk about the global gap certification and how that has inf- impacted you as a mango farmer especially? That's a good question because it's about market, what we have talked about. And I'm happy. And let me say also, I I, I congratulate some uh, stakeholders who came to, uh, to us and supported us to go through this global certification. Mm-hmm. As we talk now, the company I, I direct, that is Zawe Farm Company, is certified with the Global Gap. We have certificates. A hundred farmers have certificates on Global Gap. They can sell their mangoes to UE, but the requirements are a long way. They are very tough. So we also need the county government or the national government to intervene and try to unlock where the farmers cannot un- uh, unlock because the stakeholders with the farmers has done the best. Yeah. They have trained the farmers and they have gone through. If you look around my farm, you will see some signs. Mm. These signs mean a lot. These signs mean a lot to them. They have been here. They inspected the farm. They said it's okay. And then they, they gave me the, the certificate to uh, to export the mangoes to EU and to cert- they certified my farm. So there are still some more requirements that needs to be done by the county government or the national government mm-hmm. for our mangoes to go to EU. They, we need more farmers to get certification and, and not able... really more farmers. Yeah, but there I don't know there are there are politics because if we say we export to EU, for example, mm-hmm. there are a lot of requirements they will ask. Oh. You have this. Not only the certificate. You have this. You have this. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of handles that sometimes it's not possible for farmers to go through. And they, that needs the government and also the government from there yeah. to work between and then unlock that bit. Okay. But already now we are certified. We have the certificates. About 100 farmers have gone through that uh, training. Well, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned to me earlier that you've done the training with uh, Markup. Yeah. What was your experience like? 
my experience with makeup was good mm-hmm. because it was in the business uh, in the business interactions the, the 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 training was to make for example the small scale of farm um, business SMEs or now they can reach the the to the market how they can market their crop and where they can get money to to come up with the uh, value chain especially on a food value chain mm. uh, dry mango dry uh, sweet potato and all this it, it it was a good experience um yeah i'm glad you enjoyed that uh so i also had you mention uh, something about hcda and uh, fpic please elaborate who those are and uh, maybe maybe your experience with them yeah my experience for example with the hcda is good because they are taking uh, technical people on the side of the fruits and also vegetables they guide us on how to do a good agriculture practices on the farm uh-huh. as per the fruits and also vegetables and they also assist on our, uh, on leakage to the market sometimes okay. even they brought they bring us uh, buyers to 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 come and then we do a contract farming yeah. with uh, with the cooperatives and the companies and the farming groups mm-hmm. they, they are very active on that and that gives us uh, more morale on to see that they are supporting the farmer to reach the market so maybe you can tell the listener who has never heard anything about mango farming like what does hcda mean yeah hcda means horticulture crop development authority, authority. and when we talk about horticulture means mm. uh, vegetables and also the fruits okay yeah uh, m- now you can talk about fpic uh fpic is another organization which is very good it's for marketing because they bring together the producers mm-hmm. and the exporters in one basket okay. and from that one now the the exporters will know who produces what mm. if the exporter is doing avocado he'll know from the link with the fpic who produces avocado and the farmer will know who exports uh, avocado or who exports mango from that uh, base uh, the connection with the fpic okay yeah my final question yeah is going to be a philosophical one assuming and i hope one day i'll be able to do this if i can give you a check or cash preferably of 1 million dollars that is about 100 million kenya shillings where in the mango line would you or what would you do with it in terms of mango farming or what would you do thank you for that question it's a good question if i get that money in terms of mango value chain mm. i will go direct to mango uh, drying okay which has now become the world's leading market in terms of mango because now exporting mango when they are raw it is becoming exp- expensive for the exporters and now they need uh, mangoes where they are not spending a lot of money so with the dry fruits the 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 okay the, the the job is too too much but it is it's it is earning it is earning a lot of money for example there is a huge market at japan mm. germany and also is a way because they are scared of what we call the fruit fly which now uh, is uh, destroying our mango uh, the time of getting ripe then when you do the dry mango then you escape Mm-hmm. The, the 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 idea of these mangoes are of uh, fruit flies 
because they will reach the market when they are dry. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time and uh, thank you also for welcoming us and we wish you well and may your farming, mango farming prosper beyond your wildest dreams. Thank you a lot too. I'm very grateful for your interview. I'm very grateful for your visit here. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Makwene County has taken a very innovative approach to government intervention in agribusiness. In 2015, they established the Makwene Fruit Processing Plant in Kalamba. It's a county government parastatal, probably one of the first of its kind in Kenya, and whose impact on the value chain cannot be overstated. Through this plant, the county has directly impacted mango farming by offering farmers an alternative market for produce. It was interesting to know that the factory buys produce late in the season, specifically to make mango puree, which cushions farmers from post-harvest losses and has also improved prices in other markets. Here's some of our conversation with Mr. Julius Maithia, the Managing Director. And we're here with a wonderful gentleman who has been very kind and gracious to host us today. And I'll just give him this opportunity to introduce himself. Just tell us your name and uh, what you do. Yeah, thank you. My name is uh, Julius Maithia, Managing Director for Makweni County Fruit Development and Marketing Authority. Thank you. Yes. Um, we've seen the processing plant and it's an amazing job you're doing here. Congratulations. It's uh, very impressive. So um, I think my first question today would be, when did the first fruit load arrive here? And what would you say has been the greatest impact to the people of Kalamba? Okay. Yes, the first uh, fruit load arrived here in July 2017. Okay. That is when this plant, that's Makweni Fruit Processing Plant, uh -huh. was commissioned by the governor of Makweni County, Professor Kivuda Kibona. Thank you. And uh, what is the capacity of the factory per month? And are you at full capacity? Yes, the capacity of this uh, factory is five metric tons per hour. Okay. Currently... Per hour? Per hour. That's 5,000 kilos. Yes, wow. per hour. Okay. And uh, currently, we are not at full capacity okay. because we are not in production. Okay. Yes. But have you ever hit that capacity? So, in a, so does the factory run 24 hours? The factory runs optimally during the mango production season, That's which is uh, January, March. Okay. How do the farmers um, get their produce here? Okay. Basically, we use the Public Procurement and Asset Disposal Act okay. to procure fruits from farmers. Okay. And yes, we communicate to the same farmers through WhatsApp, okay. through SMS, and okay. through phone calls. So the procured companies and uh, cooperatives are able to purchase mangoes directly from farmers okay. and supply the same to us. Do you guys control the pricing or is that purely supply and demand? Yes. Uh, the price is determined by the board. The oh. Makweni County Fruit Development and Marketing Authority Board determines the price okay. based on uh, research in the market. Then that's the price which is offered to suppliers. Kalamba is, I would say, a small town in, uh, in, within Makweni County. Yes. What would you say has been the direct impact of having mm -hmm. a processing plant like this in a locality? 
such as this. Okay, thank you for that. Yes, uh, this factory has positively impacted on the good people of Makwini County. Mm -hmm. Number one, it has created over a hundred jobs. Direct. Per day, direct jobs per day. During per the day. high season, we have over a hundred cashews per day. Wow. That's number one. Okay. Number two, we have created jobs directly through transporters, mm. um, picking, sorting, grading, mm. loading. Those are indirect jobs that are created by this factory. I've, okay, sorry, just go on. And then we also provide a market mm. to farmers. So those mangoes that used to rot, mm. farmers are able to find a market yeah. in this particular factory. So we are able to reduce the post-harvest losses that the farmers are able to encounter. Wow. Then two, farmers used to experience as low as three shillings, mm. a price of as low as three shillings per piece. Per mango, yeah. Per mango. Because of this plant, farmers are able to get more than five shillings per piece. Impressive. That's price stabilization. Mr. Maithia, you said that at least 100 people um, during the high season, they get to get jobs here at the factory. I just wanted to find out what percentage of that number is women and the youth especially. Yes. So of uh, that 100, 60% uh -huh. are youth. Wow. And 50% are women. Are women. Yes. These are all people from the local community that live in this area. Yes. All our cashews eh, yeah. are recruited from the local community mm -hmm. and largely from Akwini County. Um, I came to learn that Kenya's export numbers are at about 2% even after Makweni um, County established this place. Yes. So in your opinion, what do you think can be done to, you know, make this better, to have Kenyan mangoes? being exported more in bigger volumes? Yes, yes, we have the capacity as a country to export uh, a higher proportion mm. of our production mm. and largely from Makwini, on if farmers can be able to adopt better uh, farming practice, good agronomic practice, mm. and largely good pest control mm. measures. Okay. Let's say right now there's a young farmer or a young person who's thinking of going into farming uh, of mangoes and they are not sure where they should start. What advice would you give them? So uh, my advice would be first and foremost, they need to talk to farmers who mm. have um, experience in mango production because the most important thing is uh, quality. Quality produce will be able to fetch a higher or even a premium price. Mm -hmm. And quality begins at the farm, from the seed to the care, to the protection, to the whole process of handling. Yeah. So the first thing would be to consult, learn, and invest in farming of fruits. Yeah. F fruit farming pays. Mm. Yes. It really does. It pays. Okay. Handsomely. In your vision for the future of this processing plant for mango farming in Makueni, and I'm sure even in Kenya at large, what, what do you see? What would you like to be implemented and done? So we see ourselves in the next uh, few months, uh, few years, to be able to do more than just processing of mangoes. Mm -hmm. We want to reconstitute the same mango puree into ready to drink juice. Oh, wow. We also want to see ourselves bottling water 
in terms of uh, diversification. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's really good. Is there a capacity for growth? Yes, we have uh, capacity for growth. Mm -hmm. For instance, in this county, uh, the total production is over 100,000 metric tons of mangoes per year. Wow. And we are only able to process less than 5%. So we have a 95% that's out there, that's available for local markets, for regional markets, for export, fresh, and even for processing. Yeah. Yes. So if you had a million dollars right now, what part of the value chain would you invest in so that, you know, to grow this whole mango business? Okay. So if uh, we had that amount of money, we'd invest in three areas. Number one, in promoting quality production of uh -huh. mangoes among farmers. That's number one, that's extension. Uh -huh. Number two, we would uh, be interested in adding other two lines, one for purity production and another one for juice production. So right so now that you... we're able to take up more All right. from farmers. Right now you just have the puree production. Yes, yeah. yeah, so now we have one line for puree production yes. and another one line for juice production. Oh. So we'll be happy to add. Double it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Matthew, for your time. We've really enjoyed ourselves coming to this plant, going around and seeing everything. Thank you so much. Yeah, welcome and thank you. Pleasure. One of the things that has stood out about this dive into the mango value chain is just how much room for growth exists, especially for the export market. Kenya is currently producing less than 1% of the global supply. And so we got to speak to someone in the business, Mr. Alex Muli, who is in the export and value addition part of the value chain about what's possible over the next few years. Take a listen to our conversation. I am here with Mr. Alex Muli from Goshen Farm Exporters. And today we're going to be talking a little about exportation of mangoes. Karibu sana to the podcast, Mr. Alex. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Ukosalama? It is, Um, Just so we can get right into it, I wanted to know a little bit more about your work in um, the mango, in the mango value chain. How did you get into it? Okay, I got into the mango value chain about uh, 12 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, to the fact that I didn't want to get formal employment. So <laughs> I thought the best way out was to engage in uh, agriculture because that is that is the core of our economy and stuff. So that's after school. So I just started doing a little bit of uh, export of the fruits we get from our own farm. Uh -huh. And with that, we've been able to grow the business to where it is right now. So that's I got in. And uh, for, me it's, for me, it's been a blessing because I got in through the fact that we come from a mango growing area. So it was easy for me to come and just start the process. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, because I come from Akweni. So that was, that's how I got into this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, here at your place, so how, what exactly do you do with the mangoes? So, one, uh, we engage a lot in uh, small loader production because our business is an all-inclusive business model where we rely on small loader farmers to be able to uh, produce for us mm -hmm. while we buy from them. And then after buying from them, now we... Uh, either process them into uh, fresh fruits for export, especially the premium ones, and then whatever remains is what we value add into uh -huh. dried fruit snacks and pulps. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, for the currently we are doing the local market, but we have an, uh, we are looking forward to start exporting maybe from next year. Yeah. But entirely, what we do with the fresh produce goes into the export market. That is the fresh mangoes. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you you spoke about um, engaging farmers. I yeah. wanted to know what, how do you select who to engage? What uh, requirements do you look at? Uh, first of all, the farmers must be in a in a group, in uh, a group. registered group. Uh, secondly, uh. They must be willing to engage with us through the year because, again, we have extension officers who are based in the fields. We work with them on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, also, they must be willing to engage in a lot of trainings because we also engage them in trainings like uh, quality trainings, uh, also issues of record keeping. Of course, basically, they must be willing to do their part so that also we can be able to uh, do a bit. Yeah. So that's basically what they need to do. Uh, we prefer to engage them through the, the counties. Like we last a lot with the county officers to be able to uh, tell us where these groups are, the county, sorry, the ward agriculture officers also. Mm-hmm. And that's how we engage them. Yeah, Because we would prefer to work with a group rather than an individual coming to work directly with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we're talking about you and what you do and what the farmers need to do. I'm sure the government also plays a role in this whole system. Yeah, definitely. What do you feel like um, the government should be able to do so that it can make the whole mango processing um, sector easier for you guys? Uh, basically, what the government maybe should do is uh, uh, check on issues of uh, manufacturing. Manufacturing in Kenya is one of the toughest places to be. Uh, we've been, uh, now we, I can say we've been manufacturing for about five years now because initially we we're just a fresh produce export company. Yeah. But I can tell you putting up those machines, procuring them, importing them, installing them, then also the cost of energy, honestly, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, also issues of, uh, you know what happens with our power. Yeah, like today we have an outage and then you're doing processing. Yeah. Initially we used to incur a lot of losses with that, but uh, again, uh, we managed to sort ourselves and get a very big generator with that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I think what the government needs to do is one also, give us incentives, right? Like if you can get incentives in terms of uh, when you are pro- like on issues of uh, also the levies, like we find that pr- transporting something from Akwe, when you bring it here all the way here, you have to pay cess. Mm. Yeah, yet when I do the export, I'm paying cess to the government through the agricultural uh, crops directorate and also the kefis. So they charge some, they levy some fee on every kilogram that we ship out. Mm. So that is more of a double charge that's a double charge so yeah. i think if you can have a harmonized charge especially now they've introduced the kentred system mm-hmm. where you just pay one off as you maybe use the system that would be good and again at times you find the you know what happens with the county officials yeah, at times they get they find our driver there and then they rough it, each other up you see mm-hmm. it's all, at times it gets ugly and stuff so there is much that can be done in that again also on the government trying to push uh like the way they do, they do with magical kenya on tourism mm-hmm. i believe there's so much that can be done on the uh, fruit sector in Kenya. The government can push fruits from Kenya, maybe Africa's best tropics, something like that, come up with a slogan. Mm. So even as we go out there to seek for markets, people already have high expectations of what they can get from Kenya, yeah. rather than leaving us to do all the marketing, try to push customers to buy our stuff. Yeah, so, and then again also maybe something maybe I'll encourage maybe is maybe on, uh, to, they need to check also on uh, trying to push on their mango ban that has been there in place since uh, a few years ago, since 2013. Mm-hmm. If that can be lifted so that it opens the market for us in the EU, that will be very good. How do you deal with traceability of the product um, here at your at your farm? Uh, so basically what we have, we have, a, we have a full traceability system, right from the farm all the way to the market. So what we do is all our farmers are in a database. Huh? We mm-hmm. happen to use the Digifarm uh, platform where we have, put all our farmers on that platform. Mm-hmm. So whenever you go to pick produce from a farmer, automatically you enter his uh, 
his code, you get his details on that platform, and then you're able to buy from him. You cannot buy from a stranger. Oh. That is that is the interesting bit of it. So what happens when you that farmer has a specific and unique code? So when his produce comes in, you find they are put in crates. Mm. So even when they are working on that production, you find that they know this is a certain batch. And uh, we put all that code all the way to the market. Okay. If because uh, on a, uh, what happens also we are we also in the domestic market. We trade. We have a, we have a we have a brand called Fruity. It's a dried fruit crisps uh, brand, mm-hmm. ranging from mangoes, uh, papayas. Uh, uh, bananas and pineapples. Yeah. So when you buy that uh, pack, you realize it has a batch number. Mm. So that batch number can be traced all the way back to the farm. Wow. Yeah, so it's something we've put up, but uh, we are looking at embracing digital technology in the new, next few months or so, where yeah. we'll have build a blockchain uh, technology to be able to now be able to have it. Like even you can check it online, you can scan a QR code and stuff. Uh, thank you, Sheila. That was really awesome. And uh, Alex, it's really nice to meet you. And uh, once again, thank you for welcoming us here. You've done a fantastic job. This is really amazing. Um, you've painted a very rosy picture for Sheila. So I was wondering if you have any challenges um, that you face as an exporter. But if, you're, if there are no challenges, we can move on to the next question. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. challenges I, yeah. I think at times it's because you don't focus much on the challenges because the differentiating factor uh-huh. the fact that we are here today is because you are able to go through the challenges otherwise you would have just given up a long time ago yeah. uh, I think there are a lot of challenges with being an exporter number one is uh, I think now you begin from the market size mm. from the market side uh, you find that you you, you, you deal with rogue importers uh, okay. that happens a lot Yeah, you send someone good consignment very top quality they don't pay you they tell you it has issues so that's happening a lot, especially oh, when you've sent the stuff. Abroad. Yeah, 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 and you've paid for everything. You send, uh, you, you've done, you've done everything. You send someone a shipment, they go mute. You send someone a shipment, and then they, you find that that company doesn't even exist. So there are a lot of things that happen out here, and I think most of the exporters can relate to what I'm saying well, because how, at how some do you point, mitigate that? Uh, I'd say that mitigating it is a little bit of a challenge because I can tell you that even to me today, even yeah. me as I'm speaking today is. Uh, we're also struggling with a certain buyer right now at this point. Okay. Um, we shipped some stuff, they've not paid today, they didn't honor the contract, you sign even a contract, they don't honor it. Yeah. So that means at some point maybe you have to travel, go to their country and talk mm. to them and talk to the authority to see that you can cover your money. The biggest other challenge is the challenge of air freight. Okay. Like when you're doing air shipments, air freight is a bit of a challenge because the rates in Kenya are a little bit high as compared mm. to our competitors like Ghana. Yeah, if you talk about competitors like Rwanda, you okay. find their rates a little bit friendly. And also Tanzania, you find they have a better rate. Again, also another thing you struggle with is the cost of production locally. Our cost of production is crazy. Mm. Uh, so you find a farmer is demanding for 30 shillings a piece of, for a piece of mango. And uh, at times it's not realistic. Is because that the farmer or the broker? No, no, no. It's a farmer who demands for that money. If you ask all farmers, they want the best price. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure at some point you've met farmers or you are a farmer yeah, I'm a every farmer time you are farming well, yeah. I know you want the best price for your product right True. so what happens is yeah they want good prices mm. but again we ask ourselves should we focus on more of the pricing or more on the output like if okay. you are able to get uh, five tons from your farm yeah. and you usually get a ton because of maybe pests yeah. disease should we focus on the pricing empowering you to produce more produce more 
yeah because you enjoy better economies of scale mm. or should we encourage you to focus on a few pieces and get a better price it's a question i ask myself most of the time because what happens is remember we're not competing against ourselves we are competing toward against countries like india yeah uh, which have a very low cost of production so yeah. when our, when the buyer there looks at our price my quote and the quote from india mm. i'll get thrown away oh true yeah so for me what i would want us to focus more is on output okay yeah if you have a farm uh whatever you do get the mm. the maximum output from your farm and you realize pricing is not that serious okay <laughs> yeah because you even get the same labor that yeah. you needed you even the same piece of land yeah so again it increases your profitability in such okay. a way that you are able to yeah to enjoy better margins and stuff rather than focusing on just like a small piece of land mm. you at 30% efficiency yeah. and you want pricing so how do we compete in the international market, market with such parameters one thing that we've come to understand is that certification is something very important for an export for anybody in the export business um tell us what's been your experience around these issues of certification well i'd say one certification is very expensive mm. very very expensive and unfortunately all this lies with the exporter If you look at other countries what they do is that you find the farmer he's certified yeah the exporter is certified so by the time even you get to the buyer you find that their warehouse is also certified certified but you see the challenge with certification in Kenya farmers don't have the 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 they don't have the ability to pay for their own certification yeah. so most of the time you are pushed to do that for them so you are the exporter but you still oh, you have to certify okay. to the farm you have to enable them you have to enable them to do that so that cost again lies with you as the exporter uh Uh, rather what we prefer is that if the farmers can be uh, uh can be given capacity to be able to certify themselves mm-hmm. like you go to, to a farmer group you find already they have their global gap uh, they have their grasp that would be yeah. very interesting rather than now and now because the market demands for certification i have to go mobilize those farmers yeah. do the certification for them and then after that now again go back to my band show the certificate <laughs> that cost comes and lies with me and we have an incident where we've prepared for an audit for almost a whole year and, and the audit when mm. we went to do the audit that day we failed the audit because of nonconformities okay because uh, i think that time we were doing an organic certification training and the audit and then we went into one of the farms and then it was non-compliant after mm. struggling a whole year supporting them then it was really discouraging because we lost money in, yeah. because we paid the certifi- certifying body we'd flown in the auditor so all those wow. costs we lost all that money so it tells you like it's not easy so i think it's high time we also as much as we are training farmers mm. let's encourage them and tell them it's good if you put in system so that even when we are doing audits yeah. it's easy for us to undertake these things just give us perspective like on average how many certificates do you need because we've had a lot about certifications and all of them have different acronyms um so yeah just give us an idea just for us to understand how many certificates on average uh like for, for okay most buyers are asking for BRC that is a British retail consortium mm-hmm. uh for you to be able to sell in their retail stores okay. mainly in Europe and also maybe HACCP uh, no no not HACCP uh, uh, BRC is a HACCP certification mm-hmm. so like uh, FSC 22000 we talk of IFS we talk of ISO so all those certifications are required for you to be able to to, to export to, yeah yeah basically that's be, they come to certify your premises mm. to ensure that they are they have less risks when you are doing the processing okay to guarantee that you you're compliant to food safety apart from that also you need something like global gap global gap is a good uh, global good agricultural practices mm. to ensure that the farmers maybe are also compliant yeah there's no child labor there yeah. pollution or rivers all those things that pertains to good anything wow. that is good 
for uh, an agricultural practices is tested uh, how do they spray how do they keep their records yeah. how do they handle their first aid in the farm mm. so all that the audit process involves that uh, and maybe for some of us who are trying to focus in the value added products we are also looking at organic certification okay yeah there, there is a, uh, there are several certification that different there is the american one uh, where you comply to their food and safety authority mm. there is the 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 japanese one uh there's also the the EU one so there are there are there are three of them for organic so you do all the three of mm. them if you want to be able to go to those markets so again that's also how much do those cost on average ah on average okay uh, uh the certificate the certifying body you find the rates are about 5000 to 6000 per okay. dollars per Five thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like for most of these, because again, you see, you are paying also for the, for the, for the auditor to for the auditor to come. Yeah, yeah, all those things. So, it's it's really maybe from forty five hundred for the, mm. for four thousand five hundred dollars to yeah. Sure, that's, you to that's a hefty yeah. price. Yeah, sounds like um. So let's now talk about um, let's talk about uh, technology. Tell us about some of the technology that you um, uh, that you use, not just here in your plant, but mm-hmm. also like. Uh, with farmers you use mobile technology like whatsapp how are some of the ways you use um this technology different technology T- just take us through like some of the technology that you My use assumption is that mpesa is technology right yeah it is yeah <laughs> uh, so some of the technologies we use here are uh, range from uh, uh, like the the pla- digital top platform that we use mm. that is the that is the digifarm uh, okay. where we are able to uh, communicate with the farmers we are also able to pick produce from them mm. we also able to give e receipts like mm. when you pick from someone oh, okay. they just get it as a text they don't have to mm. do paper for them so it reduces a lot of paperwork also through the payments uh, use a payment through mobile platforms direct okay. to their phones so okay. that is something that has really worked well for us because you don't have to handle a lot of cash and stuff yeah i think also part of the technologies also we've used with the farmers is in terms of uh, dissemination of uh, agricultural technologies because again we we try as much as we can to be able to to do demos for them like on mm. uh, uh climate smart agricultural practices use of uh, pt bottles for irrigation use mm. of belt saps and stuff uh, just to ensure that because we're in a semi arid area and we need to ensure their trees are so resilient yeah so encourage them to be able to uptake those uh, technologies to be able to ensure they are more resilient wow yes. um what part of handling of the produce is the most high risk uh if you ask me how it is all the way from the farm to the to mm. the to the to the shelf because uh when you, when you look at the risk at the farm you'll find that if someone uh doesn't uh check on their spring properly you have issues of mrl mm. yeah even if you come and handle it very well at the packaging unit it will have detections it will be detected and it goes out there still so again you might find that production is very good but when you come and handle it in the warehouse and it's yeah it's not handled well the issues of a uh, cross contamination yeah so i believe all the way from the farm to the time that the thing gets to your plate it's very critical yeah you cannot don't play any of those mm. uh, yeah yeah uh, are you seeing more young people going into mango farming ah uh, hey am i seeing have i seen did i see <laughs> hey now that's a difficult one because i don't okay. i don't know whether young people are going into mango farming because most of issues of land ownership in africa are very critical mm. yeah like find your land is owned by the old man so anything that is in yeah. that land 
belongs to, to him. your whole man. So uh, on very few incidences really you find a uh, few mango farmers. Uh, for other things like uh, for other things like maybe veggies it's easy because you just need to go and lease a small piece of yeah. land, do it within three months and live. Yeah. But for mango or tree farming is, ah. is kind of tricky because of also land ownership issues. Yeah, okay. Because if you're farming on your own land, that land also belongs to your sister, to your cousin. Yeah. So there is communal ownership. So you find that most of these things, I yes, you'll find a young guy, has, yes, he's doing it, but mm. at the end of the day, because so, yeah, yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned, because you know, for, for normal farming, the crop crop cycle is maybe three months yeah, or yeah, whatever. But yeah. for mango, I mean, it would have to be a very long term lease. It's a long term crop, yeah. Yeah. So most people wouldn't have uh, the, the young people wouldn't have the resources to lease, say for like a twenty year lease. Of course, and again, also there are a lot of dynamics. Uh, you agree with someone, I'm there somewhere. Mm. Three years down the line, he's not there, he's so you are dealing mind. with his kids. Oh no, no, yeah, no. okay, yeah, yeah. dealing with his kids, so it becomes a little bit tricky. But what uh, maybe what I what I see young people doing is they're more involved in, in terms of uh, uh, the other bits of uh, like production. You find that they are involved, like in terms of they're the ones who are doing the aggregation. They're the ones who are doing mm. the. They're the ones who are go to the field to do the collection for mm. us. They're the ones who are doing the extension services. Mm. So yes, you'll find young people there. But in terms of ownership, mm, that's kind of tricky. And, and and what would you say about the women farmers? So you'll find that even in our in our database, uh -huh. most of the farmers we have, you find they are women. The women are the ones who will interact with them. Okay. But again, you'll find it at times it's sad because when you're making the payments, it goes to someone that you'd never seen, and then that it's a guy. So. That's normal, by the way. Yeah, cultural. It's a cultural thing, I think. So it's nothing. There's nothing much you can do to change it at this point. But it is gradual. Like if you can work on it gradually, I think in future it will be like by through awareness. Yeah. Yeah, it will really help that. Okay. Yes. What does winning look like for you? Winning. Yeah. Uh, winning, 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 winning. In this business. Winning, winning. Ah, interesting. Winning, winning. I think winning for me is. Uh, for me, I think winning for me is something gradual. I don't think at some point I can say that I've won. I think for me it's it's about the legacy. Okay. Winning for me is the legacy. When after you are long gone, people can still find and they come and find these premises here. That is yeah. for me that is winning. Okay. They can find happy farmers, that is winning. Are the mm. product and be feeding people out there, that is winning. For me, I believe the moment I win is the moment I'm done with this thing. Yeah. And then I've left like I've I've done a good job. Okay. But for now it's a progression collection. Pole pole, unaingia kwa mtaro, unatoka. <laughs> it's all that. So me, I don't think I'll get to a place where I can be able to say, I think winning comes in when I'm gone. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Asante. I wish you well and I hope you win. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>